Traditional definitions of business, entrepreneurship, and success have historically been reserved for cishet white men. And home-based businesses are often run by the rest of us. Whether you're focused on finances, freedom, friendship, or fun within your business, you get to make the rules and define your own success. And that is feminist as fuck. Welcome to F-Words. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm your life and business coach now. A couple months ago, one of my besties, Christine, had a breast cancer scare. She's okay. It was a cyst, not cancer, and we celebrated the shit out of that. But we also decided to get mammograms together, along with the third in our trio, Laura. And we're putting a mammogram party together here in Kansas City with mobile mammography in November. In today's episode, the three of us sit down to recount our experience of the few days between Christine finding the lump and the three of us getting our first mammograms and the ultimate result of not cancer coming in. There are tears and so much joy. I'd love to hear your stories of getting your first mammograms if you'd like to share them with me. Hit me up in the DMs of Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook, or email me at pressurepointcoaching at gmail.com. And if you're within driving distance of Kansas City, come to our mammogram party. Message or email me and I'll make sure you get the details when we have them. Okay, so today I have my two best friends here. Um, we're talking about something really fucking important and that was a really interesting experience for the three of us. Um, if you are 40 and have boobs, or if you are under 40, have boobs, and are high risk, this podcast episode is going to encourage you to go get a fucking mammogram. And we're going to walk you through the process of how we all went together for mammography, um, how we decided to do that, what the process was like for each of us, because we each had very different experiences um, at different stages of this process. And uh, yeah, what we think about it now. So Christine Taylor, Laura Rathbun. Hello. Welcome. I am delighted to be having this conversation with you. Kelly, thanks for having me on. Yay. Happy to be back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, who wants to go first? Like, tell us, like, I mean, I know the story. I was there. But um, tell us what your experience was, whoever, maybe, maybe Christine should start because it kind of, you were the catalyst for this. Um, like what happened? What made you decide, oh, this needs to happen. And, uh, yeah. What was your experience of the, of the whole, the whole ordeal? Well, oh, hold we on real quick oh, ahead, though. Laura. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you were going to start there, Christine. So it's like, we need to start with what we had been planning. We for had been planning. Yeah. We had been planning to do. And just drug our feet. Don't drag your feet, Bill. Yeah. yeah, don't drag your feet. We had, we had been planning to go and have our mammograms done together because... Well, but here's the thing. Like, Christine, you're not 40 yet. I just turned 40 last September. So, yeah, like... We, we hadn't had that realization... Right. ...that that would be an issue. Right. Yet. So, and, like, we, that's we were, yeah. That's something worth noting is that, like... Yeah, for sure. We found out if you're not 40 yet... 
you have to have a doctor's, a doctor's order. order to get this done. This preventative, everyone with boobs needs it kind of thing done. You can't just, it's not like, it's not like going into Planned Parenthood and requesting a well woman exam that anyone with a vulva can do. It's a different experience. You have to have a doctor's order if you're under 40. So like, even if we would have tried two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. Laura, you are just 42 this year, right? Just in January? So Yeah, like- we were going to do it after my 40th birthday because I was like, I know I need to do it. So, hey, let's all do it together. Yeah. But like, Christine, well, and I wouldn't even, have been able to at that point. Even recently, even more recently this year, we had talked about doing it. Yeah. In Octo- September, October this year. Right. And then it just so happened in June um after uh, my husband made a joke i i have this thing where i like to hit him in the face obviously with consent with my breasts and um because you know consent is super important even in marriage <laughs> super important yeah um and i happened to put my thumb on the top of my right breast and after i smacked him in the face with it i noticed something that was abnormal like I, I touch my breasts all the time. I love them. They're amazing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm never doing like the self mammograms, but I do like play with my own boobs. Um, and I was like, well, that's, that's not how that's supposed to feel. And I, I stopped and I really started feeling around this spot and it felt like a BB, like a metal BB under my skin and I was like babe feel this and he was like oh that's really weird and I was like right ensue panic attack (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you always think like oh shit I just felt a lump in my breast and of course I have to have cancer because there's no other possibility I'm I'm oh brains right (laughs) And, and it just, it spiraled completely out of control. And I, I messaged two group chats for just my friends. That's, that's the only people I messaged. I messaged my friends. I messaged, um, six people, the two of you, (laughs) like, oh my God, I just found a lump and I'm spiraling. Help me. And then I messaged, um, my neighborhood mom group chat because my neighbor is a nurse and I said I think I just found a lump in my breast and she was instantly like I'm not home as soon as I get home I'm gonna come and see it okay great she came over she was like I don't think it's anything to be dramatically concerned about like right at this moment she was like but I I think making an appointment with your doctor would be a good idea and I'm like oh okay that didn't help (laughs) I mean, it helped me. It did not help my brain. Yeah, my brain was like, "She thinks you're gonna die, and right. we're gonna have to cut your breasts off." And 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 it's fine. Um, so that was that was a Saturday, and it was like a Saturday afternoon, and that's when I instantly got online, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? They've got all these places with all of these ads about." 
mammograms, like 3D, 4D, come in, just walk in and get it done. And I'm like, that's it. I'm, I have amazing medical insurance. I'm very fortunate for that, to be able to have the medical insurance that I have. Um, And I was like, I'm just going to walk in. I'm going to walk in right now. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to make an appointment. I'm going to walk in, go get a mammogram and just be done with it. So that I have that peace of mind because I am the person that instantly goes to the worst possible case scenario. And I know so many other people are. So I love that I can tell this and then people can go, oh yeah, I would have also thought they're cutting my breasts off tomorrow. It's over. Right. Like I have no hair now. Like I'm... I have no hair. I have no breasts. Suddenly in my life, that's my brain's like, you're, it's, it's already gone. Your hair is gone. Your boobs are gone. You're done. And I'm like, oh, okay. We don't even haven't even seen a doctor. Thanks brain. Um, but Christine, I, can I, I just want, I want you to like focus on this for just a minute because I do not think you went from, okay, my neighbor thinks I'm going to die to let me go find mammograms and I'm going to go do it right now. I think you spiraled and you messaged our group. I could be totally wrong. And I was at the Pride Parade. I was watching Pride, the Pride Parade. Yeah, you were both at the Parade, yeah. And Kelly was like live streaming on TikTok. So like she wasn't seeing messages. And I thought, and I said, uh, Christine found a lump. And Kelly was like, okay. Where? And I said, I'm asking more questions. And I said, okay, so let's go. We're, let's go get a mammogram. We've been going to do this. We're going to go now. Where can we go? Um, and I looked up one place real quick. And like sent it yes, to you. Yes, you sent it to me. Yeah. And but I was like, I think it's closed today. Um, but let's go. You know, maybe we can't go till Monday. But like, when can we? I can go. I'll go with you. Let's do it. And then you started looking at places. But I, I don't know. Do you really think you would have started looking at places right away if someone wouldn't have given you that idea? I don't know. You maybe you would have. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Right. I, I that's think just kind of what I was about thinking it. about it. I would have thought about it, but not actually looked it up. That's kind of why I looked one up immediately and sent it to you. Cause I go, if I tell her, just go find a place and get a mammogram right now. I can come meet you. She's not going to do that. So let me look up a place and send it to her and say, what about this place? It's kind of close to you. And it says one of the best walk-ins in the city. Hey, let's do it. I just think this is a really good example of why community is so important in so many ways. And why leaning on your people is so crucial, because even if you would have gotten there on your own, I don't think it would have felt the same. And I I just, you know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to pull yourself out of that fear to actually take that action step. And so if someone starts to take it for you, I mean, I was just like, okay, I'm going to solve this problem for her because I could freak out for her, but that's not going to help her or me. So here's what I'm going to say here's what I'm going to do. And I took action steps that I would love. Like if I was me, I would have wanted one of you to take for me. And I feel like one of you probably would have. So I just wanted to point out that I think there's a really important message buried in that of our community and having that, I don't want to say collaboration, but you know what I mean? Yes. Um, All right. So now I actually scrolled back in our group chat so that I could like try to remember because you know it has been a while also you were um, in a panic mode like that's I was. Normal. and and you were like hey i still need to go get mine let's go because i was like uh or you said i said i just found a lump and laura you were like well i do need to get my mammogram so let's go you just tell me when and i was like well obviously 
now would be great. <laughs> and so then we were looking at, you found the University of Kansas Health System. And I went onto their website and um, there is a checklist you know, you follow when you're trying to schedule an appointment. And it's like um, your name, your date of birth. Um, and if you have found a lump or is there like a, like a lump or something else? I, I, I had found a lump. So I clicked the lump and they were like, sorry, you can't schedule an appointment. And I was like, Oh, uh, that's really weird. And, um, <laughs> I was like, this is so funny because now that I see this, uh, thread, it, I wrote in there that I Googled, it could have been a cyst. Uh, that's not the point. Um, and so not then the you we didn't, we didn't know these things that we know now right. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Google, Google will tell you all of the things that if you can find an answer for everything, Google's like you have cancer and you're dying. Also it's a cold, you know, whatever it's fine. Right. Um, and it's, it's amazing. <laughs> when we talk about Laura brought up community and the two of you are so incredibly in tune to my brain um, that on two separate occasions, both of you have each said, do you want me to just pick a time and a place for you and tell you where this is, this, this event is taking place because I freak out so much and that I can't, I can't think and, and make those decisions. Well, and the thing is, that's not exclusive to you. Like all of us do that. And if we don't have other people in our lives who recognize when we're in that space and will take over, then we stay there longer than is, I'm going to say is necessary. Not that it's ever necessary to be in that place, but like longer than we would otherwise. Um, because you have somebody taking over the, the cognitive aspects of like planning and, you know, delegating themselves essentially to do that when your prefrontal cortex is fucking offline. Yeah, it was definitely a goddamn not panic state. <laughs> um so I had looked up and there was a place and it says or that was the place it says that if you have found a lump you have to call. Um so I called them but they were closed and I would have to wait until Monday to call. And so obviously two days away great level of panic and anxiety and um my neighbor came over said it could just be like a a duct something um but it it just it didn't really like it, it didn't really settle um and then you know i i kind of moved on um diagnostic imaging center also said i had to call so I'm like, okay, well, I can't, I can't get into these places now. So now I have to wait at least until Monday morning. So I was like, since I'm already going to wait till Monday morning, I'll call my doctor's office and I'll see if they can get me an appointment. And uh, I called first thing Monday morning and I was like, I found a lump in my breast on Saturday. Um, I have been in an in a huge, like in a, an increased state of panic since finding this lump. Um, I was like, I, I really need to be seen, you know, or, or send me somewhere because in order to go in as a 38 year old, because I'm currently 38 as a 38 year old woman to have any 
I can't do just a screening mammogram without a doctor's order. And I can't do a diagnostic mammogram. And this was where we found out there were two different freaking types of mammograms because they don't tell you that. Right. So I had no idea until this experience. I thought a mammogram was a mammogram. Fucking pelvic exam is a pelvic exam. You know, like I had no idea. Exactly. So a screening mammogram is when you have nothing to worry about, or it's just a routine thing. And then a diagnostic mammogram is specifically designed for when you have a lump or have whatever, something that they need to look at. But either way, and this was also an issue, Kelly, that you can speak more on, you have to have a doctor's order or and a doctor. Yeah, that's the thing that I personally found most frustrating because I don't have a general practitioner. I, I do not. I don't have health insurance. I um, rely on Planned Parenthood and a clinic that is in my community for health care. And um, so when I went to make my appointment, I am 40. Theoretically, I should be able to walk in and get a um, screening mammogram. However, in order to do that, you have to list a doctor for them to send the results to or a care provider for them to send the results to. I did find out after the fact, which I do want to share for other people in the same situation you're in. If you call and make the appointment, they will let you put a clinic down instead of a specific doctor. You just can't do it online. Okay. And I found that out from a coworker who also doesn't have a primary care doctor. She just goes to a clinic. Mm-hmm. And so she called them and they were they just put her clinic in. But she they had to do it over the phone. She said she was unable to do that online as well. Well, I had to I had to call and make my appointment. Um, I couldn't make it online um, because I didn't have a, a doctor. So I, I called and spoke to somebody and um, the person I spoke with who was like making the appointments or whatever and said that she actually couldn't put a clinic down that they had to have a name. So maybe it depends on where you go or maybe it depends on. Who oh, maybe like who knows. Um, but thankfully, again, because of a friend, we have a friend who is a um, gynecological health specialist in a tiny, tiny town in Western Kansas. Um, She runs a health clinic associated with a hospital. And I just messaged her and I was like, hey, I want to get a mammogram. Can I put you down as my person to have the results sent to? Because I have to put someone down. And she was totally fine with that. And it turns out she's going to, Come and do an event with us. Um, we'll talk about that later, but I'm fucking stoked about this. Um, but like, if you don't have a referring physician, if you don't have a primary care person or potentially a clinic, depending on apparently where you go or who you talk to, um, they won't set the appointment. It's like you have to, you have to have somewhere for the results to go to and they can't just go to you which I don't understand at all. Why can't I just have those results? I mean, right. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not in the medical system. I don't know anything about the medical system. I think the fact that our medical system is an industry is fucking disgusting, but like, why can't I have my own results? That's, that's my question. I don't understand that at all. I, I think I have a, a thought behind that. And I'll talk about that. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. But um, 
So we went through all Sunday. Um, man, we chatted like all day Sunday and it was, it, it was definitely needed because obviously I was freaked out. Um, but I called my doctor's office first thing Monday morning and I said, Hey, <laughs> I, I need this appointment. And there is, it's, it's a, it's a larger practice, right? So they pretty much, they, this is like the one doctor's or the whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of doctors in this practice. And so I was like, I will see anyone. Cause she was like, uh, your doctor doesn't have anything until, cause I tried to schedule. That's right. I tried to schedule an appointment online with my doctor and the next available appointment wasn't until the 10th of July. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot wait 30 days. And I was like, I'll walk in and just be like, I'm not leaving until somebody touches my boobs. Um, <laughs> um, but I said, I'll see anyway. She's like, well, does it matter if it's a man? And I'm like, no, I've seen all, almost all of them. I have actually seen all of the men at that practice. Um, I said, unless it is one, there is one doctor that I will not see. You will not, you can't pay me to go to this doctor. I just, I can't stand him um, for all of the reasons he's been at this practice uh, for 25 plus years. And I saw him as a 13 year old girl and I'll never go back. So uh, he was the only one with an available appointment. And I was like, okay, this is awful. She was like, you know, your doctor actually has this weird 15 minute window on her schedule. Let me go ask her if that's enough time. And I was like, oh yeah, great. Yeah. When, whenever it is, I'll come in whenever. Uh, she went and asked the doctor and the doctor said that I can come in. And so it was like four or four fifteen or four thirty, something, something like that. But like, it was a 15 minute window and I was in there. She did the exam. She said, um, she said, this isn't something that I would be worried about. And she put like worried in air quotes. Like she did. And I was like, mm, okay. She's like, but let's, let's schedule you a mammogram. She's like, we want to make sure it's done. She, she said, you know what? Let's go see if mammography is still open right now. Um, they went over there. And they were closed and came back. And she was like, they've already left. Um, and then the nurse came back in and she's like, I'm going to walk you over to scheduling and we'll get you scheduled for your mammogram. And I was like, all right, great. And like up to this point, I'm like, all right, this is, this has been pretty awesome. Right. And the woman at scheduling, I mean, obviously gave zero fucks at that moment like none. She was like, just give her this card. And she, if she hasn't heard back from us or if she hasn't heard from us in like two to three days, she can call this number at the bottom of the card. And I heard the, her tell the nurse this and the nurse comes out handing me the card. And I'm like, no, no, no. And she was like, no. And I was like, no, I'm not going to wait two to three days for someone to call me. And I was like, Send it to any of the places that have walk-in appointments. Let me get this done. This is terrifying. I can't know. Like, this is some shit. Um, and and it's, it's another, like, I want the results sent to me. Why can't I have that, please? 
why can't you just fucking go anywhere? Like, right. Why does there have to be all of this constriction around the processes to get tests done? This is absurd. Well, and I, why couldn't it just be a prescription? Like you go to a pharmacy when you need amoxicillin, just give me a little slip of paper with a scribble. That's similar. Seems like in a, and I'll walk into a mammography place. Hi, yeah, I've had MRIs before on various parts of my body. I've had C- CT scans on various parts of my body. Why the fuck couldn't this be the same? It well, and when sense. I was pregnant, when I was pregnant and terrified that I was losing my baby, I walked into a diagnostic imaging center and I said, I would like an ultrasound, please. Yeah. And they gave me one. So, and so I said to her, I was like, I don't, I don't want to wait. Can I have the order? And I will just make my own appointment now. And she was like, well, I, she was brand new to the practice. The nurse was. And, um, and I was trying to not put it on her, like the extra stress and anxiety that I was dealing with. And I was like, um, can you just go ask the doctor to give me the order so that I can make this appointment somewhere else? And she was like, I don't know how to do that. Um, she had already moved on and was in, in with another patient and the practice was getting ready to close. And I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll call first thing in the morning. And if scheduling doesn't get me in first, you know, then I'll call you guys and I'll get the doctor to give me the order and figure it out. So I called at 8 a.m. on, so this is Tuesday now, 8 a.m. Tuesday. And um, they, this woman I talked to, her name was Carrington. She was amazing. She was so amazing, you guys. and she transferred me right away to imaging for scheduling and they got me an appointment. Well, the first thing they said was, well, we have, um, we have an appointment we can get you in on Friday. And so this is Tuesday morning. And I was like, yeah, Friday doesn't work for me. <laughs> it just doesn't like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I can't you guys. And that's what I'm telling them. I'm like, you have, you never been if you have, words are hard, if you have never been in this position, like you don't understand how fucking terrifying this whole thing is. And I was like, so you guys are really nonchalant and I get it. That's your job, but I'm fucking scared. And I can't wait all these extra days because I know it's going to take forever for it to come back. Well, at least that was the thought that I had. So, so I'm like, no, Friday does not work for me. Do you have anything sooner than Friday? And she was like, well, let me go see. And the reason that it was a pain in the ass and the difference between a diagnostic and a screening is that a screening mammogram is just a basic mammogram as, and then a diagnostic mammogram follows up the mammogram with an ultrasound. So you have to have mammography and ultrasound available at the same time, which is apparently not always as easy, but they were able to go ahead because I advocated for myself, which is also not something I am great at doing. And I was pretty fucking proud about it. Um, So they got me in on Wednesday. I am also very proud of you for that. Thank you so much. Um, they ended up telling me they had a 2 p.m. on Wednesday, which I don't know why they didn't offer me the, that in the first place. But aside, um, 
So they did a diagnostic on, they were going to do a diagnostic mammogram on my right breast and a screening on the left just to make sure. And they said that they do that so that they can compare the breast tissue and make sure it all looks mirrored is what, I don't know what they told you when you guys went in for years. Um, so, so now we're on, now it's Wednesday at 2 PM and Miss Kelly Jewell made it with me to my mammogram. Laura was working, so she couldn't go. Um, and you guys, because I had a 2 p.m. mammogram on a Wednesday, went ahead and scheduled your mammograms on that Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Kelly and I, and I, I honestly believe that um, had Kelly not been there to flip a switch in my brain and bring up oh, you know, we could really do an entire podcast episode over this. And I went from panic to analytical so quickly that I was no longer scared. And it was like I was taking mental notes on every single thing that was happening so that then I could come back and tell everybody about all of the things that took place, which was just, I mean, really what I needed. And super cool to watch my, watch my brain do that, to watch my brain do that. Like I was like (laughs) inside backwards, but um, it was a really great shift. And, um, and it was not at all what I thought a mammogram would be like, Mm -hmm. because I have been told for years that they're painful and they really hard and they just squish your breast till it's you know bruised and just awful and I mean it was awkward and it wasn't the most comfortable in the sense that like I had to like almost almost like I'm straddling this machine but not with my legs with my arm like I'm like reaching around and above it to like hug onto it so they could get the right angle of my breast tissue and like that was it that was it was warm like they had warmed the machine so it wasn't cold when it squeezed your boob it it I have had bad lovers do more squeezing (laughs) that's a really good point (laughs) right you're like um actually can I keep those like those are mine Um, and I didn't feel that way. And the nurse was, um, she was very nice, very kind. Uh, Kelly, you weren't allowed to come in the room, but you got to like eavesdrop, like you could hear everything happening. And, um, but then you did get to come into the ultrasound room. So that was nice. Yeah. So they did the, the scan and they did tell me, nope, that was later. I'll talk about that. Oh, damn it. Um, but they, yeah, they did the scan and then they took me into ultrasound and, uh, I changed into, uh, oh, you guys had much better gowns at your mammograms. Yeah, than ours mine. were definitely cuter than yours. <laughs> yeah. Mine was like a weird cape thing. It was not, it, it wasn't sexy. Like yours, you could totally wear out in public. Mine, you would not want to. Um, <laughs> 
So if you're a fashionista, diagnostic imaging is definitely the way to go for your I mean, oh, my Halpadine at Belton Research Hospital in uh, Belton, Missouri is where I was getting all of my stuff done for anybody that doesn't know that. What were you going to say, Laura? I was just going to say ours were like these little wrap tops that were Albergine. So they were very fancy. Very fancy. Bougie. I was so jealous. I was very jealous <laughs> because I had like a like a hair cutter's cape, but it had been cut in like a crisp. I know it was, it was weird. Anyway, it was very bizarre. I have never seen any sort of a, a piece of fabric like that before. And I, I, know, used to, I used to just wear fabric. I would drape it around myself and like pin it in place. I have never seen a piece of fabric. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, we went into ultrasound and they, did an ultrasound of the spot on my breast and um, Kelly almost tripped and face planted into my breasts. Oh my God. And <laughs> and like what I almost tripped on was the electrical cord to the ultrasound machine. It would have been devastating. <laughs> but again, totally what I needed at the time. <laughs> um, and then you had to leave to go to your appointment um, and right after it was done. And then I waited for the doctor or the nurse, the nurse to come back and tell me what was going on. Uh, so she came back in and the doctor had asked for a biopsy. So between what they saw on the mammogram and the ultrasound, um, they weren't really sure they wanted to biopsy the spot and rule out or rule in, I guess. I don't, uh, um, you know, figure out what it is that they weren't, they just weren't getting the pictures clear enough to make a determination. So they scheduled me for a biopsy. And I can't remember if that was same. That was not the same day. Um, she told me that somebody would call me to schedule the biopsy. And that was the information I left with, which then I had to drive downtown to go to your guys's knowing like, Oh, they're going to cut my boob open. That's cool. Um, because they didn't really give you any clear information at that time. And so I was like, um, okay, just, we're just, yep. We're just going to go with this. That's it's just going to be what it is. And and I'm going to not think about it right now because I'm going to go with my girls to have their girls squished now. And so I went downtown and I met you guys. And now you can tell us about your experience. And then we'll get back to mine. Well, we couldn't find the stairs. Or was that you who couldn't find the stairs? I couldn't <laughs> find the stairs. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> you guys were already upstairs. I pulled in and I, ugh, I hate elevators. Like elevators are... It, it might as well be a roller coaster for me. <laughs> like I don't, if I have, if I have the option, I am going to walk, I'll walk six flights of stairs. I don't care. Um, and so I went to the front desk and I said, where are your stairs? And the guy was like, we don't have stairs. And I was like, this is a multi-floored building. What do you mean? You don't like, I'm pretty sure it's legally required for you to have stairs in case of fires. And he was like, we don't have stairs. The elevators are right there. And I was Oh man, I was mad. And I was like, ha, 
Well, I hope your building never catches on fire. <laughs> as I, <laughs> you know, like just that last jab. It's, you know, because you get mad about really, I mean, I'd still get mad about that now, but like not as mad. Um, well, yeah, but the things you get mad whole, about like, when you're panic state, like your nervous system is all kinds of fucked. Yeah. Your heart rate has been elevated for days on it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Turns out the stairs were right fucking next to the elevators, but whatever. They were yeah, around the They were hidden by art. Yeah. <laughs> but like found them upstairs on the way down. I was like, oh, look, there's an exit sign over here. I'm going to go see if this is the stairs. Guess what? It was the fucking stairs. And then the guy wasn't there. Or I would have really rubbed it in his face. <laughs> hey, I found your stairs, buddy. Anyway. Yeah, so we got to Diagnostic Imaging Center, and um, it was a really easy process, like I thought it was. After the initial appointment was set, after I found somebody that I could send my results to, because, again, I don't have insurance, and I don't have a primary care provider. So um, once I found somebody that I could send the results to, then setting the appointment was really easy. It was really, you know, quick and simple to get checked in. Um, They sent us into these teeny tiny little dressing room kind of areas. We had, we had a door. It was really like a closet though. Um, And we had a- Was it similar to the dressing area that I had? Oh, it was smaller. (laughs) So it's like a mini mudroom. Yeah, it was smaller than a dress. Like, think of the dressing rooms from back in like the late, like early '90s when mall department stores were bougie, and they had like so many dressing rooms, and they were at least this was my experience. Everywhere you go, there'd be a ton of them, but they were like small, so they could put a whole bunch in all these little corners, and it was like even smaller than that. Yeah, it was like I couldn't stand and put my arms, my full wingspan. I could do that sideways, but not like if I t- turn 90 degrees, I couldn't do full for between the door and the wall. Yeah. There was like a bench and that was like it, but the lighting and the lighting was dim, but it felt like it felt swanky. I don't know how to, how else to describe. It was mood lighting. <laughs> it, it really was. It was like almost Calming. like um, they were trying it, to offer you some sort of a, a luxurious like spa experience yeah like you were getting ready to go out and like then have your spa treatment yeah but like the boob squish situation was again not nearly what i expected i anticipated being sore as fuck i think i walked out the door saying well you're not going to touch my tits for a while to Ashley or something like it was just, I anticipated being so sore and like probably bruised and like having all kinds of like pulling and like pancakes and like, you know, whatever else. Yes. Pancake. That was, that was the term that everybody, yeah. they just pancake your boob. And I was like, and I mean, I don't know if maybe this, maybe in other places, this is the case. Maybe in other times this was the case and technology has improved since then, but it was, I mean, there was a little bit of pulling. The most pulling that I felt was from my clavicle. And, like, I felt that really pull. And, of course, there was the... the, skin, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there was, like, the pressure of there is a squish happening. But, like you said, I've had worse. (laughs) (laughs) And it was not... It was quick. Um, They... the, The... 
person who did, well, we had, Laura and I had a person who was actually the technician and then somebody who was training, um, who was in the room with us and like kind of observing. And they were very kind. They were very efficient, um, very thorough, like giving all of the information and what to expect. And then I asked if I could take pictures of my own boobs. And she was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Which I'm super jealous of. I'm like, oh, I did not get any pictures of my boobs in my mammogram. And like, when, when I say like, just send the results to me, I wanted that. Like I want, and, and it's just not an option, which I, again, I don't understand why, but. Yeah. And they, when I went in, I went in immediately after and they knew we were together. Like our little dressing rooms were next to each other, but they were just like, oh yeah, you guys are together. I'm like, yeah, our other besties out in the waiting room. And we just wanted to do it together. They were so kind and polite and excited. And I I don't know if it was like, maybe they're like that with everybody. I liked to pretend we were getting special treatment because we broke up the monotony of squishing boobs all day long. But they also might just be really wonderful technicians all of the time and really like happy to like treat you with kindness and also like share little stories and, you know, compliment you on making an experience out of something that isn't always an experience, but why not? Um, And they reminded me to take my phone with me so I could take my selfie, my boob pictures. I didn't have to go back and get my phone like Kelly did. And in true Kelly and Laura fashion, Kelly took like intricate pictures of each boob, each view. And I took like one selfie of me, like thumbs up in my tit behind me. (laughs) Like that's what I got. It's Um, perfect. And they were all perfect, all spectacular. I was surprised that I ended up getting nervous, like really nervous, like kind of like I still get a little nervous every time I'm getting ready. I know I'm going to have a pelvic exam because it is vulnerable. It's sometimes there's uncomfortable, like discomfort type of thing. And so I had that nervousness, but also I was like, oh, but this is supposed to be fun. And then I was like, well, why does it have to be anything? Why can't it be both? Mm -hmm. And I I really was having those thoughts in my head. And I was really glad I was doing it with both of you and that we'd had all of this lead up to it that was unfortunate, like that it, we felt pressure to get it done because of what Christine's experience was. But at the same time, I was like, ha, I wanted to do this like two years ago. I'm so glad we're finally doing it. Right. You need to get the kick of the pants. Go me, go us. We're awesome. Um, It was a really weird ball of all this stuff that felt great and also anticlimactic but also felt exactly like it was supposed to be if that makes any sense yeah and one of the things that I found really interesting from our experience was that like I know Laura you were talking about another friend of yours who has to get certain things done every six months or whatever because she has dense breast tissue and I was like oh that's interesting I don't know what that means and turns out, oh, I also have breast or dense breast tissue. And same, so, yeah. Wait, so you have want... breasts. I also have breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but they like want us to come back in six months for an ultrasound, and the technician was saying that that's actually pretty fucking normal. That like the younger you are, the more dense your breast tissue is because it's more like muscle fiber. 
whereas it sort of dissipates into fat tissue and adipose tissue happens more like as we age. So it's not going to be as dense further on. I wonder if it's more painful, the less dense your breast tissue is. Maybe. I don't know. Cause I have, I mean, I then our place. They also give you a percentage of what your cancer risk was based on dense breast tissue. There's some type of metric they use. I need to do more research on that. But yeah, I, I don't understand that, that metric at all. The, yeah, if the, it's over 10%, if it's over 10%, that's when they recommend the additional screening. So like you'll get a mammogram every year and you'll get an ultrasound every year for the foreseeable future or whatever. Um, and you want those like every six months. So every six months, they're having some form of um, view to kind of monitor things and make sure they're seeing everything that's going on because with dense breasts, it's harder to see. Um, and also like they did say that that's why when you're looking at the actual mammogram, the white tissue that you see is dense. Mm -hmm. If it's black or just kind of a little bit cloudy, that's regular breast tissue and the white is the denser breast tissue. Um, or I guess maybe fatter versus dense. I don't fatty versus dense. I don't know exactly about that. They had a little sign in the little faux dressing room that explained that as well. Um, <clears throat> but what I found interesting was about that was like, yeah, we had those percentages, but I was like, but I don't know what that means beyond that. Uh, I don't know what this metric is, but okay, we both have it. And I was like, oh, is it because we're Xenial? <laughs> because my friend who also has that, because she's the same age as me, she's 42, and she's already had three mammograms and two ultrasounds because of really dense breasts. Um, and she laughed and she's like, I mean, it's actually pretty common. And she was like, but I don't know, maybe we'll find out who knows. Well, and it might be because <laughs> it's only been recently that they have shifted the age recommendation from what, 45 down to 40. Yeah. So maybe that little five-year period does actually have something to do with it. I will say too, I was sharing my experience with um, my mom and my sister as it was going on. And well, I mean, in a few days before, like I had let them know, like, Hey, we're worried about Christine. And my mom's like, okay, it's going to be okay. And my mom was sharing her experiences um, with me. And so that I could pass those on to Christine. And, and my sister was, first of all, my sister has two of her best friends are doctors. And when she found out you had to have a medical practitioner, like to send the results to, like, you couldn't get a mammogram without it. She was like, are you kidding? Are you serious? And I said, yeah. And she goes, what? And I said, yeah. She goes, that's wild. I said, I know. And then after we had our um, mammograms and like the information we got, the feedback we got, you know, like the stuff, I was sending that to her and I sent her the picture and whatever. And she was like, I've had three of these now or something like that. And she goes, I have never found them to be so forthcoming with info. So obviously I think it's not everybody as well. And whether once again, that's specific to the location, specific to us being open and honest about asking the questions, our curiosity. And I thought about it and I thought I would not have been near as curious and near as question, not questioning, but like just open to asking questions and being myself in advocating for myself. If it weren't for you too, and doing that experience with you, I would have been quiet. Hi. Okay. It's fine. 
oh yeah, I guess that's kind of uncomfortable. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. And not asking questions or whatever, but I was empowered to ask questions because I did this within our community. I did this within us. I knew what Christine had been doing, advocating for herself with her doctor. Like, no, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I was like, no, this is important. Like, I don't care if I'm just having my regular screening because I'm over 40. It's still important. And I deserve to get out of this what I feel like I need out of this. And I can ask for it. They can say no. They can say no. You can't take pictures. They can say no. I don't know what that means. They can say no, but I deserve to ask and I deserve to want that information. And I, I 100% know I would not have if it were not for being in that situation with the two of you, which is so like, I cherish that. And also I want that for everybody. Same. Well, I think it's, it's worth noting that when you have a a support system, you can access more strength. You can access more self-determination. You can access more, um, I don't know, self-activism. And Christine, when you were talking about, you know, oh, we are going to make a podcast episode out of this. Okay. So now I'm, there's a switch that flipped in my brain. Um, what, what both of you have said, Laura, in the, what you just said and Christine with the like switch flipped thing, it made me think of how, you know, there's the, the, the stages of grief that has been around for fucking ever. And it's like anger and then sadness and bargaining and whatever else. Well, there's been an additional stage that's added a sixth stage that is meaning making. And like, once you process through all of those stages, making meaning out of the event that you're grieving or out of the loss that you're grieving is a really important factor to be able to integrate back into life. And I think that might be something sort of applicable here. Like, because Christine, you were able to make meaning out of your experience And Laura, there was meaning there because it, not that it wouldn't have been meaningful just on your own, but it was a more meaningful experience because we were all doing it together and it was in support of our friend, you know, like, so there's just a a different, maybe an added layer there. 1000%. It's so meaningful. I was with my breasties Um, (laughs) as multiple people said, I should have hashtagged, I hashtagged our experience as besties and more than one person were like, totally read that as breasties or you missed the opportunity to say breasties. So I'm trying to make sure I don't miss that again. Cause I don't want anyone to be like, why are you missing this opportunity? But it is, it, I mean, everything is, everything feels more, more poignant, more rich, more, um, every, everything just feels deeper when I experience it with people I love. And I love both of you so very, very much that so, much. so many so many of the experiences I've had over, um, you know, the last, I mean, several years, but I just, I, guys, I hardly cry and I'm going to cry. It. oh my God, am I going to cry? <laughs> but it is, it's just, it takes all of that and it kicks it all up a notch. So everything is just more rich and it just feels more vibrant. And so whether it's scary or sad or exciting or nerve wracking, 
it's all heightened, but in a beautiful way to where it gets more, it goes deeper into my soul, if that makes sense. So yeah, from sure. the fear of like waiting for Christine and like when, when, you know, Kelly was with Christine and you knew what was happening and I wasn't, I was leaving work. I was showering. I was getting ready and showering and not putting on deodorant because don't put on deodorant. If you're gonna have a mammogram, right. which, by the way, then you fucking stink when it's the middle of June. And <laughs> well, not even just the middle of June, but like you're about to have your boobs squished and you have no idea what that experience yes. is going to be like. So you're terrified and you're sweating like a, I don't know. I didn't smell delightful. And I was very I, pissed when I heard Kelly say, Oh, I'm done. So can I put my deodorant on now? And I said, you fucking brought your deodorant. God damn it, she man. brought her deodorant to mine too. And Why offered didn't it to you me. tell me? I did your room, that, that actually reminds me. Did your, um, did your little closet have wipes? No, but wipe they said they would have, they said they would have given them to us if, if we would have had, had worn deodorant. Ours, ours, my, yes. ours, mine had little, um, little wipes in there. And I guess I was like that part, like being in that room, I was, my husband has had a mammogram at that hospital and I have been in that room with him during that process. And he just had um, dense breast tissue or like a fatty deposit, something that was, you know, it was fine. And he didn't even need a follow-up ultrasound. They just like right during the mammogram, but, um, but yeah, so I had been in that room. And, but yeah, the wipes, I was like, oh, you know what they need is they need, here's wipe on deodorant for after. Yeah. Yeah. They make deodorant wipes. We need to, next time I'll just take some and just like shove them in the corner so people can find them later. Right. And, I, gift. and I did apologize. I remember apologizing, which why I'm predisposed to apologize for things that are literally doing because you told me to, whatever, it's fine. Um, I apologize to the woman, the ultrasound tech, because she is practically in my armpit after I have been deodorant free for a hot minute and terrified and sweating. And I'm like, listen, I am really sorry. My armpit smells. And she said, honey, I do this all day long and everybody smells and it's perfectly okay. We need you to not have deodorant on. And I was like, okay, but I'm just... Like, I don't like the way I smell. <laughs> I don't want to put that on anybody else, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are so many layers of body shame that we have. Oh, oh for sure. So, oh, so many. Um, so, Christine, there was something that you said you were going to follow. Um, yeah. Circle back around on. Yeah. Because after my, they, they said I needed a biopsy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they scheduled my biopsy and this is, let's see, we were in there on a Wednesday, six days later. Mm -hmm. So then the following Tuesday is when my biopsy was scheduled for. Um, and at 10 AM and the bonus was that I would have the results by that Friday. So no matter what I would know. And I was like, okay, so this is less than two weeks from lump to results. Mm-hmm. So for as bad as our health system can be and my advocating for myself got this like, so I wasn't spending months freaked out. Yeah. And uh, they uploaded to my, and I was just trying to log in, but you know, I can't even figure out how to anymore because I forget things so quickly. Um, I, they uploaded my mammogram results to my patient portal. 
And this is why I said that they don't, because I don't know what I'm reading when I'm reading it. And I read it and it said metastatic chance four. And I was like, huh? Like, huh? So not only am I having a biopsy, but right before the biopsy is when those um, results are uploaded. And I'm looking at these results like, oh, not only do I have breast cancer, because of course that's what that means, but it's metastatic breast cancer. I'm going to die. And that that is that is the mindset I went into the biopsy with. And my husband, oh man, I love him, but sometimes I hate him. And he this entire time, he has no concern. He's not worried about it. It's it's not a big deal to him. Everything's going to be fine. And it's not like he's secretly nervous. He probably was secretly nervous and just wouldn't admit it at all. He was like, well, I'm a little concerned, but no matter what, it's going to be fine. And like, he was just 100% positive that the results were going to be okay. And that everything was, and even if I had cancer, everything was going to be okay. Even if they had to cut my boobs off, everything was going to be okay. And if I lost all my hair, everything was going to, and it just, and I'm like, but those things aren't going to be okay. Like if they cut my boobs off, then that's not okay for me. Like, I don't want that. That's not, a, anyway. Um, so, but he went with me to my biopsy and I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, baby, are you okay? And he's like, babe, I'm fine. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, I hate you. And I went in there for this biopsy and with this whole metastatic thing that I had read in my, um, in my mammography results, thinking for sure that means they think I have metastatic breast cancer and that they're going to do this biopsy and send it away. And I, and then everything hurts, you know, because like your brain is like, oh, well, that pain that I had in my knee six weeks ago, cancer must be it, must be yeah. it's cancer. Yeah. <laughs> it's breast cancer. It's already moved to my knees. I don't know. <laughs> this crepitus from that half marathon I ran wouldn't have had it if it wasn't for the breast cancer, yeah. you know? <laughs> because my brain loves to jump to again like i have already said worst case scenarios but i think that's why they don't just give us the results because we don't know what we're looking at and so then when you look at them and you see the words metastatic like i know what metastatic means but i don't understand why they put that in my results unless that's like on a scale of one to 10 possibilities of blah, blah. I don't know, but I freaked out. And so I feel like I feel, I don't feel like, I think I, my hope is that they believe if a doctor tells you what the results mean, it comes off easier than having to look at the results and decipher them yeah. with a clear mind. Because Absolutely. the second you read some of those words, like I, I couldn't tell you what anything else in that entire six page result read because the second I saw metastatic, I was done. Yeah. I was dead. That's, that's, I was like, Oh, okay. This is how I die. Cool. So mm-hmm. anyway, and- but I went in, do what? I, a hundred percent understand that perspective and also you should have the freedom to choose uh exactly i should yeah. i should be able to determine if i don't have a doctor 
I should be able to receive my results. For and sure. if there is something that I don't understand in it, I should be able to have the authority over my own healthcare and my own bodily autonomy to oh, make for my sure. own decisions about yeah. my body and consult a doctor in that. Right. Case. Right. I don't know. It's just like, I don't want the fucking government making decisions for my body. I also don't want the healthcare system making decisions for my body. I want to be the one making decisions for my body. Right. Because it's your body. Right. With consulting medical professionals. Right. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, So I went in and they did, um, they did find, they called me and they told me exactly what was going to happen. Um, which was really nice. The woman that I talked to, um, I'm pretty sure her name was Kathy. And she said, I'll be there with you. She called me the day before. Um, and she said, I'm going to be in the room with you. I'm going to do this whole process with you. I'm going to be your person. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I get a person. That's pretty cool. Um, and she said, they're going to, you know, they're going to lidocaine my, my breast. They're going to do it. It was an ultrasound guided biopsy. So they were going to do the ultrasound as well. Um, and go in with a hollow puncture needle. This is what they said they were going to do. Um, and she said the worst part of it would be the pressure that I felt from the needle. And then there'd be a really loud click where they take the, the sample. Um, and she said, we'll, we'll let you know when it's about to come because it's, it could be startling. Uh, they said they were going to take three samples. And then they were going to put in a marker, like a tiny titanium rod. Um, She's like the size of a grain of rice. And the reason they do that, which I thought was brilliant. um, The reason they put the marker in is so that if it ends up being benign, that when I go back in for my next mammogram, it's already marked. So any further mammograms that I have, they know that that spot has been marked and it's okay. Um, also, then if they needed to go in and do surgery, it's like a beacon. Like, hey, here's where you cut it out. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And she said, don't worry. It won't set off anything like metal detectors. And then that's when I got disappointed. I mean, if you're going to put metal in my boob, the least you could do is let me set the metal detectors off. Because the least, the least <laughs> you could do, um, <laughs> go through TSA, and they're like, mm, and I'm like, oh, it's just this bomb ass titty. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> my bionic boob. Um, <laughs> so I went in, and Kathy met me, and um, I went and changed, and she said. You know, the doctor was re-looking at all of the, all of the stuff. And he actually doesn't think that it's a solid. And I said, well, wouldn't you have been able to see that on the ultrasound? Because that's why they do the ultrasound to determine whether or not it's fluid filled or a solid mass. And she's like, yeah, we think that there might have been just like just a hint of a wrong angle. And so when they were doing the ultrasound, it looked fluid filled. But there was a couple of really white, which is what you guys were talking about, the white spots, like the whiter tissue. Um, There were enough around the spot, the lump, that almost looked like tendrils. 
so it almost looked like a tiny octopus in my boob. <laughs> um, and that was why they wanted to do the biopsy. So she said that they were going to re-ultrasound me. And they did. And the doctor came in and he was, she said, she scheduled the appointment with him specifically. She said, I know it's a guy. And a lot of times we really want it to be a woman, but he is the best breast doctor we have in this facility. And I said, well, that's obviously who I want touching my boobs. Give me the boob guy. Um, Like I, I would definitely rather an experienced older man than an inexperienced woman. Like, uh, yes, I would always be more comfortable with women, but when it comes to their specialties, if that's his specialty and he's the best in the facility, and then you have women that are not the best in the facility, I mean, yeah, I'll take the guy. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Five years from now, one of the women might be the best in the facility because she's got more experience. But if this is exactly. And then I want her touching my boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give me the best you got. I'm here for that. I don't care who it is. Like, uh, their gender isn't going to affect my breast tissue. Absolutely. Weirdly. So weird that that's not going to. But whatever. It's fine. Um, (laughs) So he walks in and he's like. Yeah, I'm 90% sure it's just a cyst and we're going to, we're just going to pop it and you're going to be on your way. And I'm like, cool. And the nurse was like, oh, I love an easy day. And I was like, I also love it when it's an easy day for you, for me. Thank you. Um, so they, they shot me with lidocaine uh, and put a needle in and ultrasound guided it. And I'm watching the whole time. And the woman's like, you, you want to watch this? And I was like, why would you not want to watch this? Like, you are inside my boob right now. Yeah, I totally want to watch it. Yeah, when Um, I had heart tests done and they were like, you know, I was like, let me, let me see what my heart looks like, please. Exactly. That's on the inside of my body. I never get to see that. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, they're like, oh. And I said, you know, I've had, I've had ultrasounds so regularly since I was 13 that I actually considered getting a job as an ultrasound technician just so I could read my own ultrasounds while they were being done. You know, for one reason or another, I'm always in there with those lovely, lovely ultrasound techs. And I can tell that there's something and they never tell you because the doctor has to tell you whatever it is. And I'm like, I should get that job so that I can tell myself while they're doing this. But they laughed. They thought that was funny. And um, the doctor was like, we're just going to we're going to pop it and it's going to go away. And he puts the needle in and he's like, "Okay, now watch. I'm going to pop it right now. And he puts the needle into the um into my lung and he's like and now it's nope okay i need a bigger needle and he pulls the needle out <laughs> because it didn't pop and then he goes in with a bigger needle and it i guess it, it was a thicker fluid than they anticipated but it was a cyst it was a cyst in my breast and it felt like a bb and it was terrifying and they said um that's that, Christine, you're all set. We'll schedule you in about six months to check on it. And that's about it. And I was like, no marker. And they're like, nope, no marker. Lump's gone. You're good. And I was like, uh, but like, I'm done. They're like, yeah, you're completely done. Everything's. And I was like, but the, that's, that's it. And it was over. And it just like that, it was completely over. And then, and then it was just over. 
That was fucking weird. Yeah. Well, the thing that the thing that I want to pull here, not from this conversation, but from our text thread, is that when you discovered that it was quote unquote just assist when they told you that, then you said that you felt really silly. I did for making such a big deal about it. Yeah. But like we can't But until I knew it was assist, it was a big fucking deal. Yeah. I would like to argue that even now that you know it's assist, it was still a really big fucking deal. Yeah. We're recording this podcast about it and I bitch, you know, I don't cry very often. That's what Zoloft gives me is not crying very often. And I cried just because of this experience that I was able to witness with you and with us as a, you know, group, group of breasties. breasties. That, that is the title of this podcast, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Breasties but, sounds perfect. But for real, it, it, you can feel, you know, you, I mean, you can feel silly if you want to feel silly. I would argue that um, it just took what was a terrifying experience and then gave it a, rom-com ending which there's nothing wrong with that like it could have gone it could have been a different ending yeah it It could have been you know it could have been magnolia which was not a great ending um but instead it was you know i know you don't even remember that movie we made you watch it and you don't remember at all (laughs) oh i remember enough of it she remembers the experience of hating it and yeah Oh. Well, that's not true. There's that one line I took away from that movie that we use in my household <laughs> now. That ain't mine. <laughs> Almost every day. Almost every day. Somebody in my house says that line. My children have never even seen that movie, but they are also saying that line. Oh, God. Oh, my God. But for it. real, it it just took, it just, it was just, you know, plot twist. It, it was destruction. I think, I think the reason... Like, the idea of celebrating that it wasn't cancer, like, the idea of, because we had, we kept getting together to be a together support system for me, and, like, I felt like, ugh, ugh. my brain was like, well, you don't, you don't deserve that now, because you're fine. Mm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I I don't deserve to celebrate that because I, because I, I was dramatic. I was overdramatic. And, and this is where we also need to point out. We had, we had a celebratory dinner um, that we were going to have no matter what. It was going to be a dinner. Yes. Because um, Kelly pulled the card. And that night, that was one of my favorite moments with the three of you over the last, like, since, I don't even know, maybe just at least in general, but especially over the last, like, you know, four years, that was one of my favorite moments with you two. Like the whole evening, it was just, it was just a beautiful evening It was in a lot of ways. Well, and I think the, the ending of it, it's just over and it's not cancer. And it was an easy quote unquote day for the practitioners and whatever. Like, yeah. um, that does lend itself to the idea that at any moment we don't know what the ending's going to be. And when our brains go off into catastrophizing and into freak out mode, 
they only see the possibility of the worst case scenario. And that's never the only possibility. And also, no matter what you are experiencing or feeling, it is completely valid. Every fear you have is completely valid. Every anxiety you have is completely valid because you don't know, because your brain is conditioned to go off into fucking catastrophe land, not because that's exclusive to you, but like that's where we've evolved there. Our brains have evolved to look at the worst case scenario. What might kill me today is where our brains go. And that's how humanity has become the species that we are taking over the planet which we could argue is maybe not a good idea but that's how where we are Uh, but not only not only that though is that every emotion whether it be a big emotion or a little emotion you get to have that's part of the human experience of if you can't just switch from one emotion or one thought to the next thought like that that's normal too So whether you can't like to go from catastrophizing to everything's great, let's go jump in a field of daisies. Like if you can't do that, that's part of the human experience. And that is more normal than a lot of people want to talk about as well. You know, same thing. Like when the movie plot twist right in the middle and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's okay to be like, oh, did I see that coming? No, I didn't. Like, let me ruminate on that for a while. And some people like me ruminate on those types of switches for hours and sometimes days. I need that to sit in that transition, like transitory period from one moment to the next, from one, you know, experience to the next. And not everybody needs that, but that doesn't mean it's not valid. Um, And I think to be able to honor that, to be able to hold space for that for other people and specifically for yourself. But if you can't do it for yourself, which I, I feel that you in that moment, Christine weren't, we try to do it for you yeah, or give you that opportunity. There's, yeah. not, there's not anything wrong with not being able to see every possibility. There's not anything wrong with, oh my God, I'm freaking out because something is happening in my body and I don't know what it is. And it could be devastating. Like there's not anything wrong with that. It's just not the only option. And when you can't see the other options, leaning on the community of support that you have available to you is fucking crucial. Yeah. And, you know, and I I still haven't, ironically, uh, still haven't told anyone in my family that this entire thing happened. Uh, my daughter found out because I got a card from one of my breasties in the mail that said, um, congratulations on not having fucking cancer. I love you. And my daughter, I put it on the refrigerator because I was like, fuck yeah, I don't have cancer. She was like, mom, why did Kelly send you a card saying congrats on not having cancer? And I was like, because I don't have cancer. And she was like, okay. And so then I told her what happened. And because the last thing I wanted to do was freak out my children because my daughter is, uh, she would have catastrophized more than I um and yeah and then you know I just I'm like all right well that was the thing that happened and I don't need to tell anybody else you know I told 
very select few people. And all of the people I told were completely there for me in, in ways that I had not anticipated um, the support system that I got. And it was beautiful, honestly. And you guys are fucking beautiful. How are you? (laughs) Also, now you're telling um, how many, Kelly, how many is your podcast reach now? What's your listener? I don't actually know. I, <laughs> it's got to be quite a few. I know. Oh my god, is. Megan sent me the information from all the places, and I was like, uh, "Okay, great." Like there are many more people than I realized, um, but I truly just I I don't remember what the numbers are. That's not why I do this, you know. I don't like. I know. Trying to, not trying to get famous, um, but well, we can make Christine's boobs famous. Yeah, listen, I think that's I, okay. I'm just I'm just waiting for the day where my husband asks me to stop now showing him my cancer-free boobs because that's what I do. Like every day I'm like, babe, babe, look, look how beautiful my cancer-free boobs are. And he's like, I mean, yes, yes they you are. kind of tried to show the owner of the restaurant during our celebratory dinner. Listen, so I showed I people at the pool you. the other day too. Like yeah. now I'm like, like there's, I, there's still a tiny bruise or there was um, for like days. No, you can still see the holes. Um, that was my that was my biggest worry because when I donate blood, the holes just they stay as dense mm. in my skin for like ever. And so I was like, man, they're gonna put needles in my boobs. Am I gonna be able to see those holes forever? Like they are in my arms. And uh so yeah, if I start talking about it and then I'm like, Oh yeah, look, you can still see the marks showing people and they're like, What? Oh, uh, am I supposed to look like one of the one of the guys I was showing his wife and he was like, am I supposed to look away? And I was like, what? No. I mean, I'm not, I'm not showing you my whole nipple. Right. Like, like you're not seeing any areola. Like if I can you wear a low cut top. It would be really similar. Same thing. Right. <laughs> like my new swimsuit shows a lot of skin y'all. So yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so um, I do want to mention before we close out here, the event that we're planning and mm-hmm. when I say the event we're planning. I mean, we have talked about a date. We have a practitioner around. Nothing has been booked. We have a location probably. Um, this is in the very early stages of planning, but um, our friend, when did she say she was going to be? It's the Aerosmith concert is what she's coming to Kansas city for. And I think that's November 18th, which is a Saturday. And so we were talking about doing it around the time that she's, here like that weekend um having the mobile mammography bus is it a bus from diagnostic imaging center come to the littlest bake shop a vegan gluten-free bakery here in kansas city because iris the owner i posted about it she was like i want to do that at my shop and i was like cool we need a location anyway (laughs) can we park the bus there yeah so um we are in the very early stages of planning this event, which I'm really excited about. And if it, if it goes well, which I don't know how we even measure that, but like, if we like it, I guess. Um, if people show up and they have a good experience doing it. Yeah. Then it's definitely something that we can do annually and make it like a thing because I don't know. I don't, I don't know of anybody who's really like talking about, getting mammograms in a really like no way in a conversational way like and you want to know what 
just since like just posting stories and a few different things of us getting the mammograms, I've already had two people, like two people reach out to me directly and be like, Hey, where did you get your mammogram? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I sent the info. And then I sent like, Hey, if, if you can wait, like if you're not in a hurry, you just have to get one. We are going to maybe do this event. And one of them, she messaged back. She goes, Oh my God, I, I already, I just called that place you recommended and have my appointment, but that sounds super fun. I go, well, if for some reason you're like me and have dense breasts and have to get screening more often, you can get it done this fall too. Like we're going to be doing this event just because like mammograms in community. Great. And they were both like, that sounds really wonderful and like a great experience because why not make it a party? Right. And like, I mean, even if you don't need a mammogram at that time, like we could have, I don't know, information available. We could have maybe Planned Parenthood could come and like, Oh, that would be beautiful. Something around or whatever, just so that we can have some really solid, legitimate health information available. And like, I mean, obviously, because it's me, I'm like, can we have a tarot card reader? Can we have an Oracle card? Can we do something like that? You know, but, um, (laughs) and Iris is, got delicious food all the time so mammograms and muffins yeah right exactly exactly um so it can be more than just go get your boobs squished but like go get your boobs squished with friends and hang out and like do fun stuff (laughs) fun and it doesn't have to be what so much of women's healthcare is a hidden quiet event Like, talk about it. Do it with your friends. Right. Go buy shoes afterwards. Yeah. Make it a party. (laughs) Make it a party. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, any, like, final thoughts that you all want to sign off with? Touch your boobs. Touch your boobs. I think that's a great. If you don't know how to do a self, at home self mammogram, that's valid. But if you are touching your boobs often enough so that you know what they feel like, then you'll know what something that isn't supposed to be there also feels like. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what that something is, whether it is a lump um, or a cancerous mass or a blocked milk duct or a fatty deposit or a cyst, it's still not supposed to be there and freaking out about something not supposed to be where it wait freaking out about something being where it's not supposed to be is an acceptable reaction totally yeah and I also want to point out when I was um like right when this first started and I was texting my mom about it she had just so happened to have had her yearly uh mammogram and she said, you know, I was talking to the technician and she said, the most important thing right now, breast cancer is becoming more and more prevalent. There's a lot of different, you know, reasons for that. I'm not a healthcare practitioner. I'm not going to pretend to say that I understand any of these things. But what she heard from her, her practitioner was, the good thing is that even though breast cancer is becoming more and more prevalent with early detection, it's also more and more likely to be curable and treatable. And so that's the other important thing. And that's what, why we pushed you when you were like, I need this mammogram ASAP. And I was like, yeah, okay, here, this place, walk-ins, whatever. Advocate for yourself and do it. Cause it doesn't matter how scary it is. The sooner you get those answers, the sooner you get that treatment. And, you know, I luckily have never needed that myself, but I have family members that have, and the earlier you pay attention to it and the earlier you 
do those things. Don't don't wait the two months to get the appointment for the doctor to then wait another two weeks to get a mammogram to then wait another three weeks for a biopsy. If you if like, you don't have to, to do your best to advocate for yourself, ask questions because the sooner the better in terms of specifically that it seems these days. Absolutely. And if it's something that's super scary for you, fucking reach out to somebody who loves you and use your community support. Literally use your community. Yeah. That's, Man, there are so many different directions I could go with this with both my mother and my father. And like, just early detection, lean on your community for support. That's that's the gist of what I would say. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love you. I love, I love you. you. All right. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, thank you so for being there for me, both of you. Oh my God. Truly my pleasure. It was an and honor. And now we're breast friends for life. Breasties! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Reclaiming definitions for business, entrepreneurship, and success that aren't dripping with oppression redefining identities that aren't based on the cis-heteronormative white supremacist patriarchy we find ourselves living in. That's what I'm doing for myself, what I've helped thousands of other women do, and what I'm here to help you do. If you're into it, there are two ways to currently work with me. One, for business and sales, I offer a program called Selling You. It's a lifetime membership jam-packed with value sales and systems training to build a financially and energetically sustainable business with practical application, weekly coaching, and a shitload of community support, plus the option to upgrade into more of a mastermind-esque pathway with both virtual and in-person celebratory retreats, though truly I hate the word mastermind, but it's what's culturally understood. And number two... Society tries to shove us into boxes, which means we often forget pieces of ourselves, of our core truths, and that can lead to a place where we no longer recognize parts of us. The Rexy Collective, my low-cost community, and Reclamation, my weekend retreats and deeper dive coaching, are designed to help you remember who the fuck you are and reclaim those pieces, because your truth was never meant to be shoved in a box. I also reserve a handful of one-to-one coaching spots for which I currently have a wait list to be the first to know when my next one-to-one spot opens up and get the inside scoop for everything I offer. Check out the details at kellylynnjewel.com. You can sign up for my email list there too. I'd love to sprinkle delight into your inbox, but only with your consent, of course. Follow me on all the socials at kelly.lynn.jewel. I'm having tons of fun with TikTok right now, but have an everlasting love affair with Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You know, the main places. And hey, if you like what you're hearing here on the pod, rate, review, and tell a friend. 